Welcome back to the Danger Room. With me today, I have Sploosh. What's up? This is Sploosh. <laughs> and Teton. I don't know if you guys know this, but we finally have the Peter Parker I've always wanted. So, hello. It's going to be a good day. You can't play them all together, so get wrecked, nerd. That's okay. Two out of the three are not worth be being on the table. Hot ASM takes right off the rip. But the only tournament you've ever won playing Peter Parker was with the one that you just said was bad. He's he hasn't aged well. He was great back then, and I was correct, and I'm still correct. So, listen, some somebody has to carry the torch for the Peter Parkers, and I'm just going to do it over here. Yeah, dude, every every cast is going to have a Peter Parker fanboy. If you're, then are you actually a Marvel? Exactly. Okay, today we're talking about, or we decided to talk about the new core box. Figured it'd be a good time. We've all kind of played it a bunch with and against a lot of the things in it. It's also worth noting that it might be a little more new to us than the listeners because of WTC. I did not touch this thing. I didn't even read a card until after WTC. Yeah, so none of this was legal at WTC, which we all attended. So we just removed it from our brain until that was over. But I'm playing into new core box stuff with my locals and on TTS. I guess we could start off with how do you guys feel about the existence of another core set and the fact that they just redid all of the original models and buckets. There's got new versions of characters that already exist. I know there's maybe some sentiment of people who are like, why aren't there new characters? Or why isn't it Fantastic Four? Why is it X-Men? I guess, how do you feel about that? We can start with Sploosh. I mean, my initial reaction was, are you serious? They're going to make another Steve and another Red Skull. That would be, what, three Steves and three Red Skulls? Now, I will say, I still don't care that they're, I'm like, I'm not excited about three Steves, but I'm also very biased towards the evil guys. And I did feel like Cabal wasn't feeling led very well because you're either Amalekith, the first he who should not be named. No, that's... that's, that's. Yeah, it's okay, fine. He was the second. But yeah, like I just was not a fan of playing Malekith, so it didn't give me that Cabal excitement. And I've come around... Like I've always felt like there's... A, like Cabal's a massive team of characters and without like a real leader so i've definitely come around to the idea of having a good red skull and yeah i don't know i, I leave it at that i guess that's pretty much my take is i a year ago i was definitely on like team maker like an x-men brotherhood corset or something and so we got this instead and i don't know i've definitely come around to it more it's not just red skull and steve but those definitely were like my first thoughts is red skull and steve I think Red Skull, yeah, the Cabal thing is interesting because Malkith was like his very, his like his own thing. Like every time Malkith was on the table, it's like this is the Malkith team. It's like Cabal's just the Titan. It never, yeah, it never felt Cabal. It felt like I was playing some weird, evil, like Asgardian thing, and it was all, yeah, it was all about Malkith. He was just like a diva. Exactly, and then like Sin is like a joke. Her rules have well yeah i literally forgot red skull one is just like his leadership's actually not that bad i was playing it the other day it's actually still pretty good 
his kit just his age well like his gun should be a game or not cost one and his the fact that he like takes like x zero to five damage on skulls on the thing is annoying and then little known fact that on his injured side he like takes damage when he rolled blanks too on the power roll yes it's like skulls yeah. and blanks so like you have three die you have like a three-eighths chance to just take damage on five dice is awful yeah, so. I've heard people say, like, just don't use it or whatever, but it's like, I mean, he's my leader. <laughs> you're probably bringing him every game if you're playing him, and you're telling me, like, he's injured, so just don't use this superpower? I don't know, that's not very exciting. Yeah. yeah this isn't a Red Skull 1 cast, but it definitely, he doesn't age well. But yeah, the inclu- the existence of a, like, a mid-range cabal leader is, is exciting. Okay, Deaton. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit it on the head in terms of age. Like, some of the characters just haven't aged great. Red Skull, Steve needed a Narada, Corp, the Peter Parker in this box, like Ultron and Crossbones. There are certainly models in here who are good, and even those models are all varying levels of fine and playable. But I don't know that as a whole, like, these are pretty average to bottom end of average type models. And so I think it's nice to see them go back and say, we've learned a lot from what we've done for the last couple of years. And we're going to take those lessons and um, whether that's the character feels like themselves and we're just going to tweak numbers, um, which they've done, I think in some cases, or the characters very different from how we think they should play and be expressed. And so we're going to rebuild them completely or new mechanics. And so I think it's, um, you know, I think it's fair to say I don't like seeing the same 10 characters that was there that were there initially, but I also think it's a really good chance to show for AMG to show their growth, to do some iconic characters. And it feels like maybe a starting point for a different phase of the game's life. So so it's interesting. We'll, we'll see what they do, but there's a lot of good stuff in the new box, and it's always exciting to get a big dump of characters. I don't really care who they are. Like You can just play whatever version of them you want, so I'm a big fan. I will add one other thing that I just thought of, is I love that there's these... Like I feel like the bonus surprise of this core set was the extra leaderships. They don't even have to be that great or like meta-defining. In fact, I think AMG's kind of showing their hand at giving us a lot more like niche, like unique leaderships that are only maybe good in these unique random moments in time and like different, you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into the Doc Ock and Zemo, right? Am I mi- Oh, and uh, Iron Man also, geez, it's, that's freaking is it five leaderships in a box. That's crazy. And I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I actually keep, I hope they keep this up where they just, Give us tons of leaderships. So I agree with you, but notably they're not all playable. So that is one thing if you're like listening to this as a playable in the box. Playable in the box, yes. So like you cannot pick up this box and play a spider foes, even though Doc Ock has a leadership, for example. So I I agree with you about the leaderships. It's I think it's worth noting that the box doesn't contain enough stuff to run all of them. Yeah, but I think that's a good idea. Because it gets new players into like, oh, I can I could go buy the foes affiliation box or something, right? And now I can play foes, and it's like, cool, yeah. I want to play with my new Doc Ock, right? So it makes a lot of sense in the market. Yeah, no, absolutely no judgment, but 
Yeah, the, uh, yep. this is a tangent, but I, I just got to say it here because when else am I going to chance is for the love of God, AMG, please do something about the naming convention you have right now, because I, it's really like hurts me that I can't use like illicit tech with crossbones or I can't play crossbones with sin and use their like husband wife mechanic. It's just I'm sure we could sit here and list like 20 cards that don't work uh, with characters. But when you bring us 10 characters that are repeat characters, it's just cool when we could use the old tactics cards with these characters. And like, for example, Ultron has Age of Ultron. I'll be honest, I think that was luck that it even works with Ultron. I think it just so happened that Ultron's name was Ultron and he didn't have like an alias that they just, it just, it's like pure luck that it works. And I just a bummer in my opinion. That's something that Shatterpoint has that I really wish was able to be retrofit onto Marvel is like the alias system and their tags. So like for the non-Shatterpoint players, listen to the cast. Somebody like Anakin has like a Jedi tag and he has a Force user tag. So like he has like Galactic Republic. So like things in the game can interact with Force users. And you don't need like an external doc, like an affiliation doc, to tell you what happens. Like, oh, Grievous kills a force user and this thing happens, right? So you just look against card and it says that. They could easily do in Marvel, but you could have Black Widow could be spy tagged. Like Marvel Champions has this, right? They just base things off of traits. I think MCP could do a lot of cool things if that existed. And they could do that with, they could put the affiliations on there as well with tags. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think of yep. Wong, who was recently updated with Stephen Vincent Strange under exactly. Servant to the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's just really obvious to me that AMG is aware of this issue. But Texas cards in historically don't get as much update attention. And I think AMG actively likes the idea of us getting new Texas cards and slowly losing the old ones. So I do think mm -hmm. like it's part of their way of dealing with things. It just... I mean, I don't know, but that sin not being able to work with like crossbones, that's like an active character issue. And I just really wish they figured out a way to fix that. Uh, some way to yeah. edit I it. I feel like yeah. It feels like collateral damage because I think there are some instances where you're probably pretty happy that's the case. Because I think like well laid plans on new Doc Ock would be insane. Or like I think Age of Ultron it is telling to me that Timeline's format doesn't have Age of Ultron in it, even though Ultron is there, the new one. Yeah, so interesting. I think the fact that Age of Ultron working with new Ultron is just dumb luck, and it's just the nature of Ultron, that his alias is his name. I know, that's what I was saying. I do think yeah, it's exactly. dumb luck. However, I personally think it's balanced. I, I think Ultron as a fight threat isn't exactly, like, hard to kill. He doesn't have any... And they also didn't put Age of Ultron in this box. Yeah, yeah. So anyway... I'm not in the mind of AMG and I, it, it is maybe just dumb luck at age of Ultron works with Ultron, but I love it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a, cause they said, Schick said specifically somewhere that they tried to pay attention to this where they could. And you can see some of that in some of the cards like battle plan working with Steve Rogers. Right. Um, but some of them is a lack of like maybe forward thinking. I mean, when sin and crossbones were built, or when Sin was built, I guess. Were they really planning on a second Crossbones? 
uh, you would imagine i mean maybe it was just maybe it is a future proofing so i think they said they paid attention and it's just it's not in their purview or need to mm. errata things to fix this which you know is what it is well i'll get i have an example of where i think they're starting to understand it going back to hydra because victory assured i don't think victory assured was ever intended to be used with like another red skull but then it does because they used his name like because like the picture of victory assured it's clearly like he's wearing his red skull suit and this new red skull works with victory assured so they did they're starting to future proof going back as far as hydra which is like a year ago so they're aware of it is my point and it, i'm glad they did that even though i don't know that victory Assured is actually a good card for the new red skull but it's cool that at least it's an option and I hope they keep it up because I like options. Yeah, imagine if new mode could play aim lackeys. Oh my God, please don't talk to that. <laughs> I'm actually annoyed that the new Red Skull or Modoc doesn't work with, he's not affiliated Cabal because I actually think I'd consider him, especially if he could use aim lackeys, but yeah. Yeah, there are some cool cards from back in the day that would be fun to be able to use with the new stuff, but I mean, there are strong cards, right? Age of Ultron is a really good card. Aim Lackeys is a really good card. Could be part of their balance decisions to let those cards be accessible to the new models. Maybe. And it's it hard, becomes yeah. like a, just a nightmare to balance. There's just like so much, so many things. It's oh, already seeing that. And like, how much of that has happened in yeah. reverse, right? Where they've come up with a cool thing and then decided it had to not be able to be used broadly. Like we'll never know that, but right. it's certainly possible that that has happened. Like I'm going to use battle plan as an example. Again, like did, that doesn't get balanced around one Steve Rogers. It gets balanced around three Steve, which is much harder or in any future Steve Rogers. Right. So, which hopefully well, there aren't any, but just imagine a four, just imagine four threat Modoc who is a criminal syndicate member could use aim lackeys and you can play black cat and modok is basically giving her a long move that's like so good i mean <laughs> i mean people are we furious if that's the case right like that's yeah like they just nerfed black cat because of she would be able to double move steel and now she can still do that that's strong yeah. and i i like those sorts of options too i think that's a very good example of one of these balance questions of like does it enable things that they really want to be doing right yeah, we, we can really only speculate right. if that's even on their mind, but I, there's a part of me that would love to do that, and there's a part of me that is glad it doesn't exist. So, you know, it's always the conflict between the competitive gamer and then what's like a toxic game experience, you know? Yep. Um, All right. We'll start with breaking down some characters. The arguably worst character, I'm saying it. Steve Rod, or Steve Rod, Captain America, First Avenger. A.K. Steve Three, A.K. Three. So some people might find this to be an incredibly bold statement. Why don't you explain? I'm going to deflect that to Deaton. <laughs> he bad. Is that enough explanation? He bad. No, I mean, so so Steve is very analogous to the first core box, Steve. Right? He has a very good leadership that's super exciting, and I think the rest of his card is less exciting. So he's got this charge plus range three, five dice, flurryable attack, but 
he doesn't have any of sort of the shield throw tools that help that become like a super consistent thing in order to be getting that a lot. He's, he needs to, I mean, he needs a hit if he's playing under his leadership, which I would assume he almost always is. And so he can make another attack, but it's range three of the original target character. So he like, it's still limited by stealth. And so he's got to be in the mix, which I think is really thematic for Steve, but ultimately his sort of that shield bounce is just meh. It's, I mean, it's range three, five dice unmodified. You might get lucky and get to make another one. And so they're going to feel, I think there are going to be games where he feels good because he's making a lot of attacks, but ultimately, especially on the front side, you're throwing your leader who is driving probably the majority of the success of your list because it's a very specific leadership. You're building around these triggers or you're building around which characters can take advantage of that really well. And you're throwing him up into the mix. And if you want to keep him safe, you've got to charge in, make one shield bounce attack and then walk away. It just doesn't feel great. Um, and then in the event you're spendering, it's a very expensive spender. And so it's four, di- it's four power for the five dice plus the size of the target. And it's, it's got some good effects. He can make more attacks without paying the cost. Like again, he can put out a lot of attacks, but he's just rolling dice and he has not a whole lot to do outside of that and getting his, I think the biggest problem is getting that going with the leadership. You need, you really want three power on this guy before you charge into anywhere. If you're picking something up, turn one, then it's a while before you can do that. If you're not picking something up, you have a leader and a four threat who's not interacting with the objectives very he's not gonna have the power to move people so i think a lot of things on the card working against uh cap in this iteration but uh cool leadership lots of fun put on the table yeah Mm. it's played against steve and he's just extremely dice like you said and his attack is not even like a true flurry it has to go into somebody else it's more like ricochet that's harder to trigger yep true um but yeah and his leadership does like make it easy-ish to trigger, but you need the power for it. His leadership is really good, and a lot of people have said this already, but it just does not start strong. Like he just if he's gonna interact, then he's like can't use the leadership. It's, the leadership like in power. It is rough to get going until like rounds two, like maybe two round three. Yeah, exactly. That's been my experience. Not to hone in on his affiliation, but. He really wants his leadership. I think a lot of the characters that we're seeing in this box want his leadership. And it's just, it takes so long to get it going. And so if you don't have, if you realistically, if you don't have three power or you're not starting within range three of something, he doesn't feel very good. That's something else I want to mention is I feel like a lot of the attacks in this box across all the characters have too many die faces for their triggers. Like a lot of them because Steve exists. Yes. And to make it like a cohesive box experience, they blanket nerf triggers that would have been fine otherwise, just because people would be playing. Like if you're a new player and you're playing like Steve three with a bunch of normal statted triggers and you're just like nailing all of them always, I can see why it would be weird. Yep. If you're on like the receiving end, you're like, this is overpowered. Like, like Spider-Man's elusive trigger. I feel like is a little stingy at wild hit for five dice for what it gives you. Yeah, I agree. I would think, I think I would love, loved like for the charge to be more beneficial, like give you an extra die or something, but he just feels 
the risk of putting him into the fight for what it ends up costing your team doesn't necessarily feel worth it. So, well, I have a comment about his health pool. I, but I don't know if you want to hit your thing first, but I, I have played against him as well. And I, I played against normal, the first Steve as well, many times. And so the big complaint with the first Steve is you had five health healthy. And so the, basically you would like take him out pretty quickly, like when you wanted to on his healthy side. And then he would be injured, which made him like worse for secures. And, but he would be like really hard to kill on his injured side. And I think they tried to like flip the coin with this guy, obviously, because now he's six on his front side and five on the healthy uh, injured side. And I think they intended that to be like the fix for him. But weirdly, I feel like it also didn't fix his problem. Like probably the answer in retrospect, I feel like is for both of them just to have six, six health. Because on his front side, I felt like he still died because, I mean, he's just, he doesn't have indestructible. He doesn't have damage reduction. He can add dice, but as we know, you pay two power for dice. It's often not actually that efficient and or effective. And then, I, I don't know, I just found when I had like my drones like shooting him, he would just die. And then, and then you're like, oh no, so he's on his injured side. He's so scary. But then because he's at five health, like you just have like a bad defensive role and he's like at like two health or something. And then you could throw something at him, he just dies. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but that's been my experience where it just he feels the same as the first Steve, even though they like switched it around a little bit. And I that's my take on it. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but it just he didn't feel tanky at all. So I mean this Steve is slightly maybe tankier. His add dice on defense works on mystic attacks. It's all types. The original Steve doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think he feels basically the same. I think he's on the backside. Like, the answer of just throw things into him is even more relevant. But I've actually found that he's sticky until people don't want him to be because I can't flip him when I want to get the blanks and they don't want me charge Brooklyn Brawlering. So they just ignore him because he's ignorable quite frankly so so yeah i don't i mean i think he's a super fun piece to put on the table for what he enables charge is always good so there are fun things about him but i do think that this is one of the weaker models in the box i was playing against him on map c and i don't know if that but he just is there he was like in the middle of my team so it's like i don't know i was like all right i guess i'll kill this guy and it's like his weak, the original Steve, his weakness was just throw stuff at him, especially on his injured side. And this guy has like the same issue. But then, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't find him hard to take out. I, maybe I just got lucky. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I did check Mike and I, you're right. He always counted blanks for the mystic attacks on his injured side. And I think some people forget that. But yeah, you couldn't add the dice with the mystic attacks. And, and you can now, but. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to say about Steve. He, I like that AMG made an attempt to make this Steve more of a in-your-face frontliner-style character. I felt old Steve failed in that regard. When I envisioned Captain America, I envisioned like, the scene in Infinity War where he's just running ahead of everybody, and he's like, I'm the first one in, just beating face. And that was original Korbach Steve was not that. He's like a freaking artillery piece who bodyguards people. Yeah. 
I always thought that was really weird. So I'm happy they made a Steve that wants to go up and fight people. I mean, that's good for the theme. Uh, I think his leadership is a little... It, it it seems like it required a lot of balancing around it in his kit and like the way it functions because it's such a strong effect that I don't love how much it worked. Maybe his design and the other core box characters design. I would have liked to have seen a more interesting kit for Steve. And if even if that means toning back his leadership a little bit. And then I also highly dislike his sculpt. I hate the way it looks. It's so boring to me. I, I like don't even want to build it. I feel like I was I would have loved to have seen like a Steve stand, like a pose where he's like catching his shield or something. You could put some kind of like wind swoosh effects on it. There's like a hero click sculpt that's like that. I think it's really cool. And the fact that this model's attack is literally shield bounce. Like he should be doing something with his shield instead of just standing there like a dude. It looks like a statue. After I play someone using this Steve, I always ask them like, do you feel like he was better than if you just ran the original Steve? And uh, so far, everyone has said they would have done better with the original Steve, which I didn't go in expecting them that to happen. In fact, when I see this Steve in my initial games, I was scared to death of him, you know, because his leadership is very intimidating, especially when your opponents have like Thors and Hulks and craziness. The models, like they're so different between those two things that like, I think while I don't think this is the best, I think this is the weakest Avenger leader. I think it offers a different sort of play pattern than the other two do well not counting hulkbuster oh sure hulkbuster is better because you just run dr models and hulkbuster and never take throw damage but but i do think the i think this is like you've got the control i'm going to spend cheap superpowers you've got sam i'm going to punish attrition teams while also playing sort of a control objective game i think this guy's offering you hey we have some really cool models and affiliation that can like put out a lot of damage like wolverine like hulk can turn into that and you can really lean into that. And I like that this leans into that side of the Avengers. So I have a question for you. Do you think it would matter if he had the same thing with Red Skull, where instead of paying a power, you could just take a damage? Probably. Oh, quite a bit. It doesn't feel thematic to me. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, does that matter to you? Because, I mean, he and Red Skull aren't that much different, if you think about it. But Red Skull lets you take a damage, and he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, Red Skull's thing always being on versus this being you have to plan around it, especially with, like, I'll say the premier, like Steve himself, the premier users of this, like Sam, like Wolverine, having charges. It just, it's really noticeable. So would it help? Yeah, but I don't know. I think a lot of things would help. Make it free. That helps. <laughs> well, I, that, I, I thought about that, asking if it should be free, but I feel like the... I don't know. I probably would be having nightmares if people could just do whatever they want for free all the time. So maybe I'm sure they added the power cost for a reason. I mean, they did for Red Skull too. Oh, it has to have a power cost because then you would just flip it and the leadership would also say gain one power. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Yeah, because with Red Skull, it's often even a gamble too because you don't always hit the person. So you're spending a power and then you might just not get it back. <clears throat> where right yeah. yeah this one yeah the the leadership steve's leadership is just a dice mod like it doesn't let you gain power in most cases like i think like there's rare instances where like doc Ock double wilds like nets you a power sure no or wolverine or whatever but yeah most times it's just 
to hit triggers or more successes. It doesn't help you gain well, power. Well, let's just, I don't want to confuse people when you say this. It doesn't mean you, the idea is hopefully you don't lose power either. Right? Yes. And then I guess technically, because Red Skull can take a damage, allow you to take a damage, you could theoretically actually gain a power. No. Red Skull, you must pay the power. You only take damage if you can. Right. But, but you can order your gainer or your power gain after the effect of the leadership. Sure, but you'd have to go down to zero power. Yeah. Right. But, right. Yeah. yeah. Beyond zero powers. If you have power, it doesn't help. But the Correct. point is, yep. when you do have zero power, you can actually gain a power. Yes. Where yes. you can't do that with Steve. So, anyway, maybe it's not thematic. Maybe they could have had an alternate thing where, I don't know, maybe instead of a damage, you takes like a bleed or something. I don't know. I, I have no idea. But something else to make it interesting. Um, no, I think his leadership is balanced. I just think it's a really strong effect and it neutered a lot of things as collateral damage, which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. You you also already said this, but I'm gonna emphasize it that like the thing is this leadership's probably not active until like turn two at best. And you gotta yeah. play games that are only like four rounds a lot. So you basically have a leadership like let's say two and a half turns or something. It's rough. Yeah, I mean, you could make the same thing argument about Sam, right? Sam's leadership's probably not active round one. But, but Sam's leadership's yeah. also just like three things at once, so Yeah, Sam's leadership is stupid for all the reasons we try, try to no tears coming from me and we've determined that everyone we know uh you know has won something with sam so uh, yeah yep anyway all right moving on captain marvel cosmic avenger aka carol 2 uh so i can start with her i really like that they moved binary to a transform I think that you can see that's some lessons learned from the original core box. Like her, she has like a token that she gains in the original core box. Similar, like vision is the same way. Wouldn't be surprised if we got a vision, another vision down the future that has a transform to like phase form and stuff like that. Mm. I think that's the, the coolest way to do things like that. Putting tokens on characters is dated. So Carol has a binary form. I think she is really sweet in A-Force. She offers the first, like, charge special delivery character. I think is really cool. Like, you could have a really impactful turn if Carol, like, goes binary, charges for zero with special delivery. She-Hulk punches for seven, and then Carol, like, double taps and plus, plus a throw or something. It's like a lot of work. You need your A-Force models to be getting hit to get Carol going. Uh, so... Yeah, I like new Carol. I think she's super fun. Her binary form is really fun to play. Like She's like a four threat, and then she transforms into a six threat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that last thing that you said, how there's she's a four and then a six. Like that tension of how to, like as the active player, how to get her there and keep her there. And then as the opponent, what can I do to mitigate this model from getting to stay in binary all game? It was a super cool thing. I agree on the transform plus... Carol uh, was my most maligned model in the core box. Like when I built it, I just, her left elbow gave me fits. Um, so she definitely looks deformed. So I'm excited to uh, get, get one back. Um, it's funny to me that we're talking about this Carol as sort of core one. Carol has had a resurgence, but, but I think this, this model has some really cool stuff she can do. And 
is one of the most exciting characters I've put on the table from what she can do, like in a turn standpoint, like she's crossing the board. She's doing a bunch of huge attacks. Like it feels great. And I think I'm super excited to see what people do to enable her as we go forward. Cause I, I think the sky really is the limit with like what this model is capable of. And so figuring out how people are going to unlock her is going to be really cool to watch. Yeah. She's a build around character. And I think some people are going to really enjoy that. It's, I don't think she's a play in every affiliation kind of character at all. I mean, so you can play anything in MCP, but that doesn't mean it's like a great decision. And uh, like, so I think like Cyclops is a shout for her. I don't know about Red Skull 1, but I mean, he does give power. So maybe she does have range four attacks, so she can do. And she gains power a lot faster than the original Carol as well. Because the original Carol, she get she has the gainer which kind of felt like a limit because you know what I'm saying? Like if you got a spike with her attack, it, you still just gain one. And with like the, I, I used to play the original Carol back in the day with Red Skull and it was very formulaic. It's like, okay, I know I'm going to get the power, but I don't get any cool spikes or any like surprises with this Carol. I mean, you do get the spike. It's like, Oh baby, I got the power now. And then you add in other abilities that give you extra power. And it's pretty thrilling. You can do a lot of crazy stuff. Not to mention, yeah, I mean, she still, she doesn't gain power in binary, right? Like, at all, right? She's no, yeah. She can from her energy absorption. Yeah. She's been shot by mystic energy attacks and she reverse pierces. Yeah, but otherwise, like, she could do, like, zero cost charges and have, like, a binary blast with, like, Red Skull 1 and then actually get her power back, which is wild. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the, I don't have a lot of faith in Red Skull 1 personally, but people could play that or at least keep it in mind when you're playing a character like Cyclops, which was recently changed. So yeah, I just build around character and when it works. I'm slightly annoyed that her, the ability that transforms her back to normal form is a zero cost superpower. She can just get like locked in binary form if she was like rooted or something. Oh God. If she's hanging around Loki, she's stuck. She was like rooted and around Loki, like she transform. Oh wait, that's amazing! You just pay two to transform down. Okay, yeah, that's actually insane. <laughs> yeah, oh. I really wish they found a way to just make it innate. Like, I mean, you you just flip it to innate, right? Because it's like it'd be like an aggressive. Well, I think the problem. Oh yeah, because they, it's the trigger is she spends or loses power. Emma Frost is also like innate, right? And so is Miss Marvel. It yeah. Happen. I wish it was like that. Yeah. It has like weird interactions with stuff like that. And I don't, I don't like it. It's super rare and niche. I don't know. It still hurts me. You say that, but in my current roster that I'm testing, I'm running Cosmic Obliteration, which roots a character for like one power. And I have Loki in my list. So <laughs> I like legitimately are going to keep this in mind. You could also like transform on other players' turns. Like if she like got attacked and you played fall, you could like transform. Yep. I don't know. That's cute. It. You know what? Rapid Fire hates transforming characters, as I learned playing against a lot of Emma lately. So, that's troll. Actually, I think Carol's cool. I like her a lot. I want to try her out in health, but I'm a little worried that the power gain isn't enough. No, the so. problem with Hellfire is you need a 
as many minis as possible to really enjoy that leadership. And I mean, there's a literal love fest going on right now with Fourth Strike Carol, so probably just go with that. Yeah. Oh, well, I've played Fourth Strike Carol. It's Hellfire episode. Fourth Strike Carol and Hellfire, and I think she's cool, and she's. I think her biggest benefit is that she is an incinerate immune, and that yeah. she is into go Cosmic Ghost Rider. I think if Cosmic Ghost Rider like just disappeared tomorrow, she would be dropped from the list. Yeah, but, she's she's like the last piece, like your your tenth pick. But to bring it back to this Carol for a second, holy crap, is she immune to a lot of things? Yeah, incinerate, which you you mentioned, poison, sure, whatever, but then stagger stun. That's crazy. In binary, though, not in normal. Okay, only binary. She's immune. I mean, she's immune okay, that, that does make sense. On normal form, she yeah. gets stunned and staggered. Maybe that's the same. Form. Yeah, that's that's the same. This, which is cool, right? Like, All right, yeah. Like if power black, like can't really stagger you. Just transform and just. <laughs> What's the order if you're staggered? Can you actually dodge the stagger by transforming? Yep. Oh, that's so sexy. Yes, you can. Yeah, because start of activation, you transform, and then, haha, stagger falls yep. off. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, I do love that. I, I am definitely getting bitter towards this current black cat obsession in the meta, and any character that can like get rid of stagger excites me. Yeah. There should be more stagger. That's me. No, you're a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There's more ways to make kaijus for it. Yeah. I think more access to stagger makes like stagger is less impactful the more models you run. I don't know, man. Even just having my Logan staggered every turn like tilts me after a while. <laughs> like I've literally played games for against good old Deaton over here. I'm with you, Mike. The destroyer of joy. Yeah, he just keeps staggering my Logan, and it's like, okay, Logan gets one action every round for the rest of the game. And that's just a four threat character when it's five or six. Now, and I don't know, man, I just, I hate six threats, but so I get like that argument, but even like, I'm going to be honest. And there is nothing that makes me happier in this game than walking into three of Logan, staggering him and hitting the trigger to walk away. <laughs> oh, dude, it's great. If you could just guarantee that every game I got to do that, I wouldn't care if I won or lost another game ever again. <laughs> just see a nerd. Oh, I hate it. OG Wolverine. Uh, that's true. Well, and then I remember when one of our games, I like am trying to chase Cat and I can attack a character next to Cat who's also injured, but then the place is after damage. So then they die and I can't move towards Cat, but I'm staggered. It's oh my God, it's so annoying. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just like stuck forever. <laughs> like Pat Prison. Oh, Felicia. So good. Let's move on. Invincible Iron Man. You want to take this one? I do. So I have been playing a lot of Invincible Iron Man, mostly because I am a Tony Stark MCU fan, and I don't actually like Three Threat Iron Man all that much, and it's boring. But this guy's a blast. He, I think the Hulkbuster, like, builder of you either gain one or you gain however much, like the gainer-builder combo, is, like, the greatest thing AMG has printed. And I love that they reused it here, so... A uh, super cool thing. I mean, this model is a turret. I think out of the three that we've talked about so far, he's like very clearly the most same thing model. Like he is filling very much the same role as original Tony. 
he just also is adding in the support piece of putting rerolls onto things. So I've been playing him a lot in Web Warriors. So Tony just helping out Peter. And it's been pretty good. So I can reroll all those skulls. So I think he's a map specialist, right? Like being a turret, there are some places he just doesn't feel great. But he's got some tools to help with that. If you're running him in Avengers, for, he can assemble and things like that. So I really like this model, all the things he can do. One weird thing with him that I'm not, like, I don't know how much it, I mean, it matters, but it's weird to me that they changed the damage reduction on him away from just taking damage. So he has the pay to reduce to zero, but he's the only model that pays to reduce enemy effects only. So that's a little weird, I think. But if that's a sign of things to come, I think it's a positive. I, I hate like reducing cube damage with Bill. I'm just annoyed when it happens. So I, I really like this guy. I think he's going to slot nicely into a couple spots. And the real spice is Stark Armory. But I'll let you guys talk about the model and then we can talk about the card. I fit somewhere, man. I really like him for all the reasons you said. I am happy that his damage reduction is like the most balanced of a reduced to zero effect they've printed so far. I'm not a fan of Reduce to Zero anyways. It's a whole different story. Um, I kind of wish Jarvis worked on defense roles like Shuri, personally. I do think they made his damage reduction enemy effect only because of Unibeam, that it hurts him. It'd be weird if he had a bunch of power and he's like, I'm just going to reduce the Unibeam damage. <laughs> Probably not what they wanted. That would be awesome. But one thing, I'm, on a theme level, I'm a little sad they still continue to make Iron Man just like this turret. I don't feel like that's what Iron Man does in the comics or the movies. Iron Man's really fast. He flies around. He usually is like saving people. He's flying around, assessing things. He's like like garbage man work when there's like crisis things happen. I don't like that this guy has almost no mobility and he's still just sitting around shooting people. Really would love to see like a really fast Iron Man goes around and like does crisis related things. Yeah, that that I can agree with. Yeah, I remember in the first corset when I saw Iron Man, I was confused why he moved medium. And I I know that we've all this is like years ago, and we've all moved on from these old thoughts. But you do bring that up. It's just like it would have been cool if they did a little bit of something to make him feel faster, like but maybe still play similar. I don't know how you do that. Like maybe giving, like giving him a long move would have been. Well, he'd be a different role. Like he he would have different attacks, different superpowers. I just I don't like Iron Man on the table as like a gun character. I don't feel like it fits his character very well. Yeah, you would think it's like a war machine or something that just sits there. Yeah, even War Machine flies around though and does things. Yeah, War Machine would have more guns, I guess. Uh, Any Marvel Champions players like. I see Iron Man as like a justice character where he's going around doing scenario things. He's just like just shooting the crap out of people on the front line. He does sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He kind of has that like scar. What is it? Black, not black, black widow, like in the right place at the right time, maybe catches someone that's falling through the air. He's right. just Mr. All over the place doing cool stuff. That's more like objective based. Correct. Yes. And this guy is just like almost like a war machine, like blow stuff up, stand still. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel that. I'm just saying, like, if they gave him a long move, he's still a small base, right? Like, 
I mean, it's still losing in action to have to move long, but I think psychologically... This model's insane with long move because of his durability. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just saying psychologically, the idea that at least he moves fast when he moves, but he still doesn't want to move that often. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think you can make his... I think Invincible Iron Man, this card is like a perfectly balanced model, and I wouldn't change anything on him other than like the things I said. Like, be Jarvis, let's be real defense. Just don't like the role that creates for him on a theme level. A random take, just a thought, is because it's only attack dice, it would be cool if Jarvis allowed you to reroll skulls. And it's a tangent, but I did play against this guy when Deaton was playing him, and it was insane when he used like the armory card. And I, I'd love you guys to talk about it more, but also doing like Master Swordsman on Baron Zemo plus like these Jarvis rerolls. And can reroll skulls because it was in web warriors. It was just wild, just seeing so many dice rerolled and praying my character wouldn't die. So, and obviously not everybody's web warriors and can reroll skulls. But I'm just saying it would be a cool touch if maybe he can only reroll one or two dice instead of three. But it would be cool if they added like the reroll skulls. It's like his cool like thing he does that makes him different. Just a thought. I'm gonna disagree. I think. What you do with that is it's like, all right, you just do Iron Man reroll skulls first to like get rid of your skulls. And then in theory, all your, those dice are now modifiable by other things. Yeah. So like if I'm Zemo one and I like master swordsman and I roll like three skulls, all right, Iron Man's going to reroll all these skulls. If they miss again, I can now master swordsman them. So it's like, I guess multiplicative thing going. And I don't love that. I think dice mods are already a little crazy town. And skulls at least balance it out a little bit. You could okay, you could nerf it then one die, but reroll skulls versus the one to three. I, I think that'd be really sweet. And like I said, just play him in X Force, bro. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he can't Shadow He lens. can't reroll defensive dice. It would just be kind of neat. That's his thing. I'm just all I'm saying to make him not Shuri. Well, he's not Shuri for other reasons, but yeah, he feels a lot like Shuri. But you, is he, he is like fourth Shuri. He, uh, I mean. Yeah, because I, I was with you. I was like, this isn't Sherry. This is way cooler. And it's like, nope. He basically just shoots his gun twice, hopes for pushes, and... Isn't his spender literally Sherry? No. Sherry's spender, know. like, staggers you. It's uh, like a range two attack. She's seven dice, range two, stuns and staggers. Okay. I yeah. thought she no, had... His is... Yeah. He has, like... I So I really do like the, the, the punch. I actually like that attack quite a bit. It's just hard to get to, like, to value it highly when the rerolls are so integral to what I'm using him for. So, yeah, I mean, this is a good model. I think he's not as good of a model as he brings a card. Yeah, so we could talk about Stark Armory. I haven't played a ton of Stark Armory. I keep hearing how broken it is. I feel like I should be playing it. So, Dean's been playing it. Tell me how broken it is. So, yeah, it's nuts. It's, I mean, if you played in the before times with, like, bitter rivals, you know what these kinds of effects are like. Your entire team gets an extra die if they're within a range band of Stark. Well, if you're mostly playing on map E, like I have been, you need three power on Tony. Trivial to get, and now you've just bumped everyone up. And so the way I've been using it is like in the Web Warriors, if I need one explosive round, I all webbed up. I Stark Armory, then I all webbed up, and now everybody's rolling three extra dice on every attack. If I don't need, if the all webbed up is enough from an explosive standpoint, 
all, all webbed up or all stark armory. And then the next turn I'll do the opposite. And so I'm layering it and I get two turns of like massive attrition and I really shouldn't. And so, I mean, I think, and that's true, like for the Avengers, like one extra die just everywhere is nuts. Someone like dynamo, you throw stark armory on dynamo. He's rolling six die beams with the shock, like for the things he doesn't kill are not going to hit him back. So I think the card, my biggest frustration or my opponent's biggest frustration with the card has been, they're like, well, what happens if I daze him? Nothing. Still alive. Like the card's still on. But I think that this is for any of the teams that have like historically played Iron Man and brought Helios as sort of an attrition tool. um, I think you should be looking really hard at Stark Armory instead because it's so cheap. So like the Avenger, the Sam Avengers list is a really good example of that. That list doesn't like Helios all that much at all. Um, But, you know, giving Sam and Luke and Voodoo all an extra die for a round. Pretty good. So, uh, yeah, this card is. If it's about as stapled to him as you can be, but yeah, it's pretty nuts. And you can play it with any of the Iron Men or Hulkbuster. So. It's also really strong because it's power phase. Sorry, I mean, that's my last thing is it's the power phase playtime. So you can just throw it out there. And then even with priority, you just, oops, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, keep hearing talk about how, how this card should probably be restricted. So I have played it on map B, like Infinity Formula. And I've played it on, maybe that's my only game with it. I don't remember. But it didn't feel like I got a ton of value out on B. So it's probably a map map e card maybe like c as well yeah i mean i think it's like way too early to say that it should be restricted i think it's i it's definitely on my watch list of like this card could potentially be everywhere because it's just yeah like so cheap to just throw in a roster quite frankly and guarantee yourself you're going to get it off it's one of those things it's like the card version of like dynamo right like you just throw it on map e and you'll probably get a lot of value out of it right it it also works with grunts which is probably a little silly so i mean getting a double attack with grunts four dice turn into five dice it's all of a sudden like you have a three threat grunt for a turn it's pretty crazy you guys want to talk about his leadership at all i don't know anything about it really so it's exactly the same as black panther one's leadership but it's for shield right that's right and i've played it a little bit it's cool i think some of the shield models like it like hawkeye or or Bucky. Yeah, Bucky definitely likes this thing. Original Bucky. But it, I think it, it just it asks a lot of questions on like how to manage your power effectively. Shield was shield power economy was already pretty delicate. And like if you're playing this leadership, it's probably even more so. If you have a gainer rapid fire plus the armory turn, isn't that just insane? Like yeah, the problem is I don't think Shield has any gainer rapid fires in faction. Bucky is power for damage, so you have to connect on it. Mm. And then all of the shield attacks like are gainer. Agent Widow. Okay, yes, Agent Widow. Model nobody plays. It's the second but time like, we've mentioned her today. Hawk Hawkeye is like the number one user of this leadership in faction. But I think even like Nick Fury does not want to be spending power on neither Nick Fury wants to be spending power on this leadership. I mean, maybe Nick C, Nick Jr. can if he's like knifing somebody, but it's very rare. That's a thing. Nick Sr. 
has all gainers or has one attack as a gainer. So probably you're making that attack just for power anyway. I think this comes in at a super interesting time for shield because Bucky has obviously been nerfed. And so there are questions about like what's next for them. And so this just gives you a big avenue to explore, which I think is super cool. Whether it ends up being good, I have no idea, but like this is probably better. Like there's probably a world where you can choose this over Nick's leadership in fights, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you do play this leadership a lot of the time. I mean, so people are using like eyes on the prize models to not go down on VPs since you're, if you're not running Nick Fury leadership and then you can run Iron Man's leadership. So that's, this may be cool. That's definitely something people are playing. I think the days of like spamming six characters with shield feel bad these days. Like Bucky's worse. A lot of the kaiju models are hard to punch through. Like Bill's hard to punch through when you spam three threats. Cosmic Ghost Rider is impossible to punch through three threats. Just need to be able to punch harder. I mean, you have Stark Armory, right? So there's that. But you also risk your your models just die really fast, and you don't ever have priority. I, I mean, I like having a reroll on characters that are shield affiliated, like Taskmaster, Spider Woman, Black Cat, or not Black Cat, but Black Widow. Black Widow with the martial artist having a reroll. Yeah, Taskmaster's a good shout. He could use a reroll, really and he has a lot early. of power too nowadays. Yeah. Uh, also, the reroll on offense too. Yeah, like literally use that power immediately to, on you know, the shield throws. So, yeah, Taskmaster probably loves to hang out with Iron Man. And uh, yeah, Taskmaster rerolling defensive dice at range two or like on like scoundrels probably obnoxious. Yeah, Taskmaster's great. I like him a lot. And Taskmaster can use the shield tactics cards, which are like all really good. Yeah, maybe Taskmaster is like a shield three threat that should be being played more. I mean, I like Taskmaster. Yeah. I played him recently in shield, and he was before he got a shield gainer, and he was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I got a shout out Spider Woman too. I really enjoy Spider Woman. And for physical defense with like count blanks and a reroll, that's got to be nuts. Spider Woman usually doesn't have the power for the reroll, in my experience, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, people are punching you. You want to not be dead, you're going to do it. Okay, moving on. Black Widow 3 now? <laughs> <laughs> the Black Widow. I'm not a huge fan of this model. I think her sculpt is really cool. I love the tiger knee that she's going for. But I just think she's she's all of her factions are also shared with Spider-Woman, if I'm not mistaken. And Spider-Woman just does more things. Uh I'm not sure. I mean, Widow is, you can send Widow in theory to grab something and she's probably not going to let them get it. But then she's just like really tanky and her, she just doesn't have action economy and her attacks are like fine. I don't know. I would rather play Spider Woman in most instances, I think. Yeah. I think I share my concerns with her. Like, like the paper stats seem really cool, right? The, she does seem super tanky. The shield drop is obnoxious. But, like, she's just not active enough for me. But I'm also fully prepared to be wrong because she's a long mover who's hard to take down and can drop things for you. Like, you you get to control the drop, which is, like, 
like I'm ready for that combination to just work in a way that I don't see in my head right now. So yeah, the thing with Nick's grunts is that they pick up something like they usually you don't really want to be grabbing something in the midline with them round one. You want to you want they don't really want them to die. But there are there's like parts of the mid to late game where like Nick or the grunts kill something. And or like Nick kills something and then they drop something and then he can spawn the grunts to grab it. And then if they kill it, you drop it backwards and you can keep doing like this chaining thing where it just keeps then the grunts spawn farther away and pick it up. Widow like doesn't have Widow can't teleport around when she dies like the grunts can. So, right. It's like, yeah, she dazes and then the thing drops where you want it. But I don't know. She's a fourth threat that doesn't have any mobility. I mean, she's a long move, but that's it. She doesn't have any control. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of her. Her triggers are hard. Her spender trigger is dicey. Yeah, I don't know. Not a huge fan. Swoosh? I don't, I really don't have much to say about her. I mean, the problem, too, is there's a two-threat widow that exists. And, like, I don't know. I feel like I'd just play her in something else cool versus this widow. Like, four-threat minis, it's a tough place to be four-threat in this game. Because there's only so much room for four threats, and there's a lot of good ones. I don't know. I'm not that impressed, personally. We can talk about our card a little bit, Vertical Assistance. I think this card is pretty cool. I mean, it's climbing gear that is range-limited to where Widow is, and it has to be playing on Widow's turn. And I guess it's one cheaper than climbing gear, but... Moving models out of activation is pretty sweet, and it's been curbed a lot by AMG, so to see it come in any form is... Probably something to look at. No. Yeah. I I think the card in theory is really awesome. But and maybe in the in the future it'll see play and be awesome and that wouldn't surprise me. Because climbing gear was an insane card to the point where Yeah, I think if Widow was better, I would play this card with her for sure. Yeah, I I would be considering it for two threat widow, but I don't know if that's good because of the way you play Two Threat Widow. She tends to be hiding and running with like a secure extract. So a Two Threat Widow just builds power horribly. So like, yeah, this wouldn't even be online till like turn three, in theory. Yeah, and the window's awkward for her, right? She's this is a play later and undo displacement, and if Widow's a late activation, like what value are you getting out of a Two Threat? last activating like she's gonna do this potentially right but usually that's not when you see her activate so yeah and climbing gear was giving you like almost like a charge this isn't a charge because you have to do it on her turn and then they have a turn to react to what you just did okay next is spider-man deaton you want to talk about your favorite character amg you've disappointed me once again no i totally kidding 100 percent a lie this is this i think is I mean, he's by far my favorite character in the box, but let me just... I'm a homer, so this is always going to be my favorite character in the box. But Spectacular Spider-Man's great. He is very similar to the original Core Box Peter, who I always loved, but just wasn't quite there always. But he's this hyper-consistent control model, so he's like a weird mix of Miles and Gwen. He's got Miles' place with no extra dice. He's got impact webbing. He's got these the spider sense rerolls and then which all are great all super cool tools and then his throw is insane so 
he doesn't actually have the lack of the ability to like build power on spikes is something like I've been frustrated with in games, but it's like objectively a good thing because his throw is just nuts. Um, Here, I want to interrupt you slightly yeah. with that. I wish AMG would do this more just on a game design level. It frustrates me in MCP sometimes when models because of because of build, true builders like a model spikes into another model builds a bunch of power off that spike so both models gain a bunch of power but one died and the other one didn't and i really wish that you only gain power for like dying most of the time and like more attacks were gainers yeah our lord is like a perfect example for me where i wish his attack was a gainer um it's like frustrating when Star-Lord spikes a five dice because of winging at tokens or something. And then he's like, all right, cool. Now I'm going to be able to kill you better after I've already killed you very well from luck. Yep. I wish it was a gainer. I wish more builders were gainers. All right, that's my soapbox. Continuous. No, I mean, I think that the it's it forces you to play him in a very specific way. Like, you know what he can do on an activation. And your opponent knows what he can do on an activation. And so it's from a, like, can he throw? Can he not throw? How does he build power to throw? It's a super interesting puzzle of how do I get the most out of this model? Because he's so consistent, you can map out his turns really well. And like the biggest piece of variance on his card is the trick or the triggers. Having played a lot of him, I'm going to push back gently on what you said earlier about the elusive triggers. I agree with you that the box as a whole feels over-costed from a trigger perspective, but if he was easily, more easily able to get these on five dice, he would feel insane because the lack of like making them consistent helps limit his mobility and like helps stop him. So he, he really has to choose between am I web swinging or am I not web swinging? And I think that's really powerful on him because if he could consistently be mobile and do the things he does really well, this would be like a ridiculous character. And so I find myself wanting more a lot and also recognizing that more is probably not necessarily a good thing, but yeah, the, just some really cool turns I've had had with him, like where he does hit his impact webbing wilds and all of a sudden the board is rearranged. Feels really cool for him. And the reality is he's like, he's tanky, but he's also not that tanky. So your opponent can choose to go into him and there's just a lot once that happens if he does get flush with power like he loves fueling a flipped all webbed up he feels a lot like gwen in that space where it's like i'm gonna web swing all webbed up gonna punch something for seven elusive punch something for seven elusive throw and you're just like heck yeah pete that feels great so i like this guy a lot i've been jamming him in all of my web warrior games and he's a horrible pay to flip model for the most part. But outside of that, big fan of Spider-Man. Yeah, I've played a bunch of new Spidey as well, and I really like him. He feels like, yeah, I don't know. I said he felt like the commandos a lot of the time. I don't know if that still holds true because he can teleport, but it's the fact that his power economy is very uh, predictable. That's the word I'm looking for. And he just does a lot of guaranteed things. It's really cool. I think he's super fun. His sculpt is cool. I like it a lot at looking at it in person. It's like more three-dimensional than it looks in the photos. 
We should talk about Cat and the Spider. Oh, his his actual card? It's the Cat and the Spider? <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his two cards, right? But I think Cat and the Spider has been waiting to be useful. Amazing. It came with Amazing Spider-Man. Basically lets you throw Cat forward, and then she can interact with anything that she's next to. Problem was, Amazing Spider-Man already can midline steal himself. So it, like, it was like, why am I bringing a card for this? But now it's like super cheap with Spectacular Parker and Cat to have a midline steal between the two of them. Yep. So in this, I think in this world of some games, quite frankly, you can go stand on the midline. There are games where that's viable, especially in something like Web Warriors. In fact, I keep losing games because I can't punish people standing on the midline. Yeah. I mean, the reality is there are games where that's a cert, a, a completely viable thing to do. And in webs, it's a little weird because you can just still run ASM, but like, I don't even have them in my roster. And so the games where I feel like I really want a midline extract steal, it's terrain dependent. Yes. But at the end of the day, it hasn't burned me yet. I think the amount of times in my history of playing this card in the two years, two and a half years, it's been out. Like there've been a, a very small number of maps that have actually done this, like stop me. I think it's a perfectly reasonable inclusion in your 10 and he feels good. It's just, he really, this model really wants to have a power at the end of turn one. If he can, that lets him on turn two, like walk impact webbing and then throw. So it does limit that and limits his turn two. but ultimately he's, he can still do things, especially if he's just, being a sort of tanky extract holder or reasonably tanky extract holder. He's got a lot of different things you can do with him, even though each of his individual turns are feel a little map can feel a little mapped out. But earlier today I was playing senators. And one of the things he can do is if you can get him a second power, he can like web swing forward to the Senator impact webbing, something, pick it up and then walk to a secure. Like there's just so much this guy can do. And it's all so consistent that, and in a way that's transparent, right? It's transparently consistent to you and your opponent, what he can do. And, and I like that quite a bit. I watched a stream of Norton Norbert streamed a game in the cut where they played this card and the cat and the spider and Norbert was blown away when he saw this guy get a scroll and flip a spider portal location with zero power all at the same time and then run away long. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's pretty nuts when you can live the dream and get that combination and play that card. Yep. Um, I have a few random thoughts on Spider-Man. One is I feel like for a long time people said Mystic was good against uh, Web Warriors, and I feel like that was always a semi-myth. But now that Spider-Woman and Spectacular Spider-Man are starting to see play, it's like becoming actually true again, or at least just true. So that's interesting. And then... Yeah, I don't know. Playing against this guy, that throw is so obnoxious. It's really frustrating. I, I also tried him personally with Hellfire Club, and it, I personally don't feel like it worked as well as I thought it would. I think it's okay, especially if he can get an extract. It's okay, because he can just always battery himself. But I don't know. If he gets knocked off of a point, and then you want to use the Hellfire Club leadership, I found that to be frustrating to deal with, because you don't want him to take a damage. And then, like, he has to get on the point, but then if he's on the point, he's not able to use power that turn. So it just ruins the whole turn. 
And then if he loses power from because you're trying to use the leadership, that's also just really bad. And yeah, I don't know that I found that to be annoying, but definitely play against him. He's a really good character and he's leveling up the web warriors who are already turning out to be like one of the, probably one of the best affiliations in the game. Yeah. I mean, this guy hates your typical power stuff, right? He hates beta flips. He hates Loki. He hates root. If you can tax yeah. those things, uh, it's a pretty strong into this guy, but he loves infinity formula. Tell you that much. Oh, I know one thing. I wish to God that Gambit had elusive and seeing this guy with range three elusive just makes me so angry. What do you, um, what do you mean? Yeah. Gambit hasn't come out yet. That's what you tell me all the time. Yeah, that's true. But when, well, when they release Gambit and they give him this, it'll be really hot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Spider-Man's awesome. He's arguably the best model in this box. Yep. One quick note, because we didn't say anything necessarily about it. The, the go get him tiger. I just, I don't think it's a very good card for any of the Peters. I think it's just, it's so situational. There are so many things that have to align for that card to be good. The effect is, can be strong, but um, it's not something I'm rushing to jam into my lists. It's fine, but it's just a very conditional card, which those are typically not super good, i.e. Hydra. Yeah, I also find uh, Web Warrior Tactics cards are mostly plug-and-play at this point. There's not really any decision-making on what you play. Like, they're going to basically play all webbed up, Spider Tracker, 2X Restricted. Yeah, I do find I don't... So Brace is still on my list. I would love for it not to be. I'm just not ready mentally to make that plunge for them, but I don't play it every game. So that is the one flex spot I usually find myself having is that it's like, like you're saying, it's R&D, all webbed up, spider tracker, and then I'm figuring out what to do after that. So, but yeah, it's pretty, it's like five cards that you can just play all the time and then five cards you can do whatever you want with. But yeah, this isn't one of them that I'm looking to put in the 10. Right. So, all right, listeners, that wraps up our cast of the first half of the core box, which is the Avengers plus Spider Man. And next week, we'll do it in seven days from today. It will be the Cabal plus Doc Ock and Bucky. So, see you next week. Thank you.